This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living. and welcome to the PGA of Canada podcast. My name is Kate Weir, and I'm the head professional at Rivershore Golf Links in Kamloops, BC. Today, I'm joined by Jeannie Walters, CEO and founder of Experience Investigators, a global customer experience consulting firm. Jeannie, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So the customer experience is something that golf professionals have to pay attention to on a daily basis and I'm entering my second season as a head professional so it's something that's at the forefront of my job more than ever. Uh, I feel like with the huge boom going on in golf right now to due to COVID we have this kind of unprecedented opportunity to really grow our game and maybe change some minds about the perception of golf. Um, you talk about the customer experience being perception minus expectation and there's a saying under promise and over deliver. So in your mind, are these two concepts kind of the same thing? Uh, I love that you asked this question because I think that's where a lot of us go right away is that idea of like, well, just don't promise as much because then, then they won't be expecting it. Right. But I actually think like the promise has to be the promise. And what I mean by that is you have to know who you are as a brand, as a club, and what is the experience that you want to offer? What is that special something that makes you you as a brand. But then you also want to really understand who your customers are and where they're coming from. So a beginning golfer might have different expectations. They might need some more support, some more handholding, some more communication and training and things like that. A veteran golfer who's been with you a long time, their expectations are probably around consistency. So how am I being treated every time I walk in, no matter where I go in the club, how, how is that experience living up to those expectations? So I, I hesitate to say, think about it as under promise, because I, I think we have to first define that promise. What is it we're really trying to do and what makes us special? And, you know, that could be everything from we're going to be more welcoming or we're going to be the club that the experts golf at, you know, just defining who you are in that way can be really helpful in understanding that expectations minus perceptions, because at the end of the day, that's what customer experience is. It's, did you live up to these expectations? Did you exceed them or did you fall short? And that's what creates those feelings that then drive how people feel and perceive about your club and your brand. So when they go home and they say, I had a great day at the club, what they're talking about is I, you know, didn't expect this. I got all these little perks or they're going to come home and say, yeah, it was really weird. Everybody was rude and this happened and this happened. So we're trying to define what is that story that they tell when they leave you? Yeah, I think that's super important. And like I said, as a, as a new head professional, um, this is something I've, I never necessarily thought about before until I really had to be the one kind of setting that expectation and making sure that the perception of our golf club was something that we really, really, really strive to make um, really, really important for us. So 
in terms of you're talking about micro moments, I really, really love this concept because I think this is like something people don't think about as a minute thing. They always think about what do I need to do on a big scale to really wow people. But I feel like listening to your TED talk and, and you speak a little bit, these micro moments are actually so much more important. So um, how do you, can you define them for me? And then I want to ask you a few questions about them. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, taking one step back, I think one of the things that is really important in any organization is to tie in who you are and where you're going and all those things, because, and we do that with something we call a customer experience mission. And it's a whole formula. And part of that is around, you know, what, what can we always deliver? Who can we always be for our customers? How do we show up for our customers? And that's what can drive these micro moments, because the idea of micro moments is that, you know what, everybody talks about, we have to have these big wow moments in customer experience and the things that go viral or the things that are big publicity stunts. Sometimes we say, oh, wow, that's amazing. I would love that to happen if I was a customer, but they're really hard to scale. Um, They're really hard to deliver all the time. And if you over deliver, then people start seeing, well, that happened for that guy in that YouTube video, but that didn't happen for me. So what does that say? So the idea of micro moments is really looking at what are those moments that are often overlooked or neglect in, neglected in the customer journey? And how can you amp them up? How can you make them a moment of delight? And sometimes you have these in one part of your journey, but you haven't really pulled them through. And what often happens is we put a lot of energy into getting customers. So that whole like marketing sales process, they're treated like a VIP throughout. And we're very thoughtful about how do we communicate with them and how do we respond to them and how quickly do we respond to them and all of those things, because we're driven by this idea that the more we acquire customers, the more successful we are. But what happens is they're treated like that, you know, during the sales process. And then they get there. And the first thing we do is we send an invoice that basically says, here are all the awful things that will happen if you don't pay the invoice. And the relationship completely shifts on the customer. So invoices are one of those areas I talk about micro moments, because we can turn that into something more relationship building instead of transactional and the customer feels like well everybody does it that way so that's the way it's done but if we put a little more thought to that if we say you know what we're not going to uh, do things the way everybody else in our industry does it we're going to make sure that we're really understanding who our customers are and then we're going to really look at what are these moments that we can deliver And, you know, in the TEDx talk, I talk about things like error messages on your website or what happens if, let's say you go in and there's a problem with a reservation or something. Like, how is that actually handled? And what micro moments could you do to resolve that or at least make up for it in a more positive way? Because I think that's when sometimes we think, oh, we've, this is when we have to, you know, send bouquets of flowers and we have to do all these crazy things to make up for it. Maybe if you focus on the micro moments and be more proactive about them, that builds that trust. So you have that positive relationship emotion kind of in the emotional bank. So when things go wrong, they're much more likely to work with you and to forgive you and to Mm -hmm. continue to be your customer. 
But if the micro moments are kind of, I call them meh moments, right? Like they're kind of neutral because nobody complains about them necessarily, but they're not doing anything to really build that trust in the relationship. So when you do have a dip, when you do have something go wrong, then people go, well, you know what? This hasn't been great for a while. And they don't think about it in the same way as if everything along the way feels good and positive and proactive for them. Yeah, and I almost feel like this is what people maybe refer to also as like attention to detail. That was Mm -hmm. something I always in my mind um, felt like really raised the level of customer service is having like a very finite attention to detail, making sure that every little thing is is going really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and attention to detail of the moments of your customer's journey not what you want them to do. So that means we have to flip the script constantly and think about what is our customer actually thinking and feeling? What are they trying to do here? Because sometimes I call them customer journeys by org charts where we say, well, the customer goes from sales to marketing and then they get this and then they get this, but that's not actually what's happening for them. And if you can identify those moments of you know, where that maybe they're not sure about the next step. What kind of reassurance could you provide there? What kind of thing could you do in the club to make them feel like, you know what, maybe you don't know golf etiquette, right? This came up a lot in some of the reviews, right? Like people say, oh, I'm so intimidated. I don't even want to sign up because I don't know the rules. And so if you can create those micro moments of saying, hey, we're going to welcome you. We're going to help you through this beginning stage. We're going to do this. And actually deliver on that. So when they show up, even greeting them as something like, wow, this, I see this is your second time at the club with us. We're so happy you're here. What, you know, do you need lessons? Do you need this? Do you want me to walk you over somewhere? Those types of things to provide that reassurance, that's how you build that trust. And so it really is about understanding the journey. Um, one of the things, you know, as an example, one of the things that I saw at a spa actually, but it was in the middle, I live in Chicago. It was in the middle of like super busy Michigan Avenue where all the shops are and everything. And you walked in and they were trying to make it kind of Zen, but you could like the sirens are going off all those things. Mm -hmm. So they created this thing called a warm welcome where they literally had little, um, uh, washcloths that were in a warmer And they would come over and welcome you by wrapping your hands in the washcloth and just saying, you're here now, you can let it all go, like we're going to take care of you. And it was such a small moment, but it was so different than so many other experiences like that. So that's the type of micro moment that can be meaningful. Signage is a micro moment sometimes, you know, a lot of signs just are very informative, but you know what, one restroom sign looks like another, looks like another and why not get creative there? And why not, you know, identify how can we give people a little chuckle? How can we make them smile? And, you know, one of the examples I use is at Legoland, they use Lego people who look like kids who look like they really need to go to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> and it's such a moment yeah, where you cool. can just say like, oh, that's hilarious. Um, and they're, you know, just identifying those moments that, yeah, they, they could work. They're informative, but what if we just turn up the volume a little bit and get creative and give somebody a moment like that on their journey? Yeah, exactly. That's very cool. Um, So I kind of guess my next question is going to be about, yes, as a head professional, as a director of golf, as a general manager, I'm very excited about creating these kind of moments. 
with our the seasonality of our um, industry, we have lots of uh, employees that are from younger generation and that really maybe are only working, you know, six, seven months. How do we really stress to them the importance of these micro moments and, and get them engaged in that process? Well, I would say, first of all, make sure that they are connected with the customer experience mission. What are you trying to do? How do you always want to show up? Because you can give people all the process in the world. You can give them all the scripts, everything else. But you know what? They're going to have judgment calls to make on their very first day, and that's not going to change. So we want people to make similar judgment calls based on who we are as a brand, as you know, as an organization. And the best way to do that is to encourage people to really internalize what, what are we trying to do here? It's more about just providing a quality club. You want to connect with the emotions that you want to provide for people. So every single time somebody is at the club or every interaction that they have, we want them to feel a warm welcome, let's say. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that you're going to use eye contact. You're going to do these things. So you go through those basics, but then empower those folks who are really probably more frontline than a lot of other people and say, write down, you know, places where you think we can improve this process, empower them to be part of that. Because a lot of times, especially with younger generations, they're saying, you know what, I want to have meaning in my work. That is a value. That's something that is very important to them. So invite them into that process in many, many ways and just encourage them to look for those things. And if they create a great micro moment, you know, another example from a, a gym, a fitness place, you know, some one of the front desk clerks, similar profile of what you're talking about. They were like, mm-hmm. you know what? Everybody who walks in, we hand a towel and a bottle of water. It was a high-end fitness place. And What she did was just, you know, there was a little downtime. She wrapped the towels around the water bottles and put them behind her in this little pyramid. And then she had those so she could hand them and make sure. So it's much different than like grabbing something from under the the table and going over and trying to get the water bottle. It was just this really simple thing. And the members loved it. They actually mentioned it on surveys and said, I love how they hand me that towel. So thinking about things like that and encouraging them to come up with those solutions, which are so easy, they don't cost anything. It's really just about the thought process. That's how you can connect the dots and make sure that you're all delivering that. And I would also say recognize those people who are doing it. We sometimes encourage people to have mission moments every week and say, how do we deliver on our mission this week? And then really recognize those people who did it and make a big deal about it and, you know, give them some perks and make it public. So other people think, oh, that's, that's what we need to do here. So I think there are lots of ways to get people involved. And I think sometimes we overlook that it's not about just the process. It's not about those things. It's about those judgment calls. That's what is building the experience for your members. Right. And so kind of on the the note of that, and in terms of we have so many new golfers coming into um, into the game right now. So we've got member bases who are very, we've got members, you know, who have been around for 40 years, and then we have these brand new golfers. So obviously, like you said, we want to um, bring in as many new customers as we can always, but in terms of retaining the customers that we have, what are kind of your best practices on that long time customer loyalty? How do we recognize that for them? 
Well, first of all, I would say if you're not looking at your reviews, look at your reviews because a lot of times customers will tell you. They will just say like, I thought it was this. This is what it was. I'm never going back or I don't feel like it's worth my money or whatever they say that kind of gives you those clues. So first thing, make sure you're doing that and not getting defensive, which is super hard. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what? We Customers don't know how hard we all work. They don't understand how much comes into this. Okay, but that's not their job. Their job is to have an experience. And so when they give us feedback, we need to be really open about hearing that. So that's number one. Number two is think about the difference, let's say, between a beginner who is starting off has a great beginning summer, let's say, and then the next year, they're kind of a different customer for you. Their experience is different. Their expectations are different. They're still not one of those people who maybe feels like they're, they're you know, recognized by name or when they go into the, the restaurant, you know, they have something on the menu named after them or any, like, they're not at that mm-hmm. level. But they still are in this place where maybe they feel like oh, I'm not as good as I want to be. I, I'm still nervous. Um, I, you know, they have their own stuff going on. So if you can identify personas and if you can create kind of customer personas, which are representations of your customer, then you can say, okay, our beginner persona needs this throughout their journey for, for the summer and for the year. How do you communicate with them? When they're not golfing, how do you make sure that you're doing enough outreach to them to include them so that they feel like a a member, they feel like they're part of a group. And then think about a year later, think about five years later, think about somebody who maybe left the game for a while and is coming back. You have all these different personas to consider and not just about golf. And this is the trick too, with customer experience, we have to think about what are these people's real lives like? You know, if they, 2020 is a great example, like all of a sudden people are like, oh my gosh, I've got to get out of the house now. (laughs) And this is one of the ways I can do it. But they were also dealing with what we were all dealing with. Um, And so looking beyond just how they interact with your brand and looking at who they are as people can be really helpful too, because maybe in a year they're going to think, well, that was an indulgence now that we're quote unquote back to normal. How can you prevent that? How can you proactively say, you know what, in 2020, a lot of people learned that golf is self-care. Golf is something we can do to take care of ourselves and our families. And so what if we, you know, create something around that for 2021 and 2022? So that's how we need to think about it. I think sometimes we paint this broad brush of, well, people sign up, they become a member, they play golf. And it's so much more than that, but we really have to look at it and peel the layers of the onion and customer journey mapping is a technique that we use that can be very, very effective. Um, We have a template on our site. You can, anybody can use it. It's interactive at experienceinvestigators.com and you can really figure out, you can start flipping that script and figuring out, okay, what are our customers really experiencing instead of what do we think they're experiencing? Right. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, flipping the script and, and trying to really see it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, uh, yeah, feedback, bad reviews. <laughs> Obviously, that's probably a question you get a lot is mm-hmm. how do we handle those. So like online bad reviews versus in person bad reviews, making sure, you know, how do we uh, make sure that we can repair that relationship without 
them maybe walking all over us in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, one of the preventative measures is being proactive about your mission and your micro moments. Like if you Mm -hmm. are building that trust, then when they give you a bad review, they're going to be much more open if you pick up the phone and call them. If you say, you know what, I read this, I'm really upset about it. This shouldn't have happened. I think that's one thing is we have to learn how to take it as a gift. It really is because most people do not complain. They just leave. And then they tell their friends and then they tell their neighbors and then they explain why they're not a member anymore. And so that's actually much more damaging, but we don't even know about it when that happens. When you have somebody who complains, that means they're invested enough in the relationship to complain. And so if we can, you know, get to that place where we think, wow, this person cared enough to let us know um, and listen hard for what they're really saying, because sometimes what they're saying is, I really loved this relationship. I was very invested and you let me down. And that is telling that tells you that, you know what, the higher the loyalty, the harder they fall, right? Because they have so much invested in it. So listen for those cues. The other thing is, you know, if, if you see many, many complaints about a process you can change, like, let's say wait time, you know, uh, okay. We see everybody's complaining that, that the wait time is too long. Some of that you can control and some of that you can't, right? So you have to look at what can we do and how do we measure that inside our organization to know if we're making progress or not. But I mean, there's a brunch place in Chicago called Lou Mitchell's and everybody loves it. And it's right across from this huge church. And so on Sundays, it's crazy, right? And it's like a diner. It's not very big. And so they always, even in like sub-zero temperatures, they always have a line of people. And what they figured out was, you know what? We're going to have a line. That's going to happen. So they make fresh donut holes. And they literally walk out with a basket and you get fresh donut holes while you're waiting. So I know people who are like, I hope there's a line. Like they say that because they don't want to just walk in and miss the donut holes. So there are things like that you can look at and say, okay, how can we create an experience when things are not going to go right? Like if we know people are going to be waiting, what can we do about that? If we know that, you know, we're overbooked or something, what can we do about that? And just thinking through those moments and trying to create some level of positivity, that can help a lot too. But when it comes to complaints, the most important thing is to listen really openly, um, close the loop with that customer, even if it's hard, call them, uh, you know, just see if there's anything you can do. And if not, you still want to thank them for that complaint because then they'll know that they feel heard. And that's part of what they're trying to do is just feel heard. And then if you can, and this is hard too, if you do it publicly, what you're doing is saying to other prospects and customers, you know what, we're not afraid of this. We are continuously improving. And if they see it actually resolved, like if the customer comes back and says, yeah, that was great. Thank you for handling it that way. That says a lot too. So don't be afraid of publicly commenting um, as long as you're not saying you're wrong. That never happened because the experience is still their experience, even if the facts are, are gray, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. I think probably one of the best examples I've ever seen of that is, um, on Lululemon's website, they, you know, in the review section on their products, if someone has an issue with the product, you, you always, always see Mm -hmm. a comment back 
back and normally it says something to the extent of, we're, you know, we're very sorry you're unhappy with your purchase. We'd be happy to refund it for you. Yep. In terms of that extent, like, obviously they're not going to hopefully be refunding people for thousands of pairs of Lululemon tights. So how do, how do we manage that for not having, you know, making the customer happy, but making sure that they, we're not giving away too much on the other side mm-hmm. of things? Well, I think there's a big fear around this, like in general that, oh my gosh, everybody's going to ask for their money back and everything else. Uh, Typically that doesn't happen. And part of what we can control is that they did studies on, you know, people who wanted retribution of some sort. And they did this in a couple different industries. And one of the things they found was that by simply saying, I'm really sorry that happened, their requests for retributions go down. And that's because a lot of this is that emotional part. We want to feel heard. We want somebody to acknowledge that it it didn't go the way it should. We want them to say like, wow, we're going to work on this so this doesn't happen to other people. We really appreciate your feedback. They even did this with doctors. And, you know, doctors have been trained here in the United States to never say they're Mm -hmm. sorry because they could be sued for malpractice. That was kind of the thinking. So lawyers recommended never say you're sorry. And they did a study and found that malpractice rates actually go down when doctors say, I'm really sorry this happened. And so I think that's really key here. We have to make sure that we're connecting emotionally because most of these start from a very emotional place. And then sometimes they get you know, advice or they start thinking. And sometimes it is about, you know what, I paid for something that didn't deliver and I want that money back. Um, sometimes that is the right thing to do, but actually just letting them feel heard and closing the loop with them, that can go a long, long way. So really just some acceptance and apology. Um, and maybe we all need to take a little bit of psych 101 <laughs> because this is all coming from a very emotional, yeah. emotional place and maybe not necessarily, um, anything to do with, um, the facility. Yeah. Obviously all, we all make mistakes. I definitely tend to take things personally when people are having a bad experience at my club. So I know I, yeah. I definitely need to just, yeah, keep on with the acceptance and give them that apology and do what we can to, to like you said, close that loop and make yeah. sure that we can just give them the best experience possible. And I would also say, let's recognize, like, there's a lot of physiology on both sides of that. So if somebody is angry or upset, like their adrenaline's up, there's all sorts of stuff happening. And what happens is they kind of bring that to you. And so the same thing happens because then you're in this fight or flight situation, you're in this defense mode, which is physiology, like you can't necessarily help Mm -hmm. that. So knowing that though, we can, we can control that a little bit and we can say, okay, this is happening. I know that I'm in this you know, fight or flight mode right now. Am I really being threatened? No, they're just giving me some, you know, a piece of their mind. So, you know, calming ourselves down, taking those deep breaths, being willing to kind of be vulnerable in that moment can be really, really helpful because it will also tone them down. Like if there's, you know, a martial arts idea that, you know, you don't always go, if you attack head to head, that's, creates a whole bunch of energy in the middle. But if you actually roll into your defense, that takes all their energy away. And so by acknowledging them and by saying, I'm listening to you and I hear you. Now, are there customers who go over the top on this stuff? Absolutely. Right. We've all been there. I mean, I used to travel a lot in the olden days and, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I would sometimes see them in airports where I'm like, 
that poor gate agent is just getting all the frustrations of somebody who's been traveling for too long, right? Like you could see it happen and that stuff happens and you just have to kind of let that happen sometimes because that's the best way to take that energy away because the more we escalate, they're going to escalate right along with us and then there's no winning. And so I think that's something that we need to really help you know, sometimes we put people into these situations without a lot of training around this idea. And so we don't know how they react to these things. We all react differently. If they're going to come at it with just as much energy, that's going to create a whole situation that then other people are seeing. It's creating like a mob mentality sometimes. So asking people to really understand what this is and helping them understand that, you know what, there is stuff that happens and you can control some of it. Um, and the stuff we can't control, we're going to, you know, protect you. We're going to make sure everybody's safe. We're going to make sure that uh, customers can't just come in and randomly insult people. Right? <laughs> like that's not okay. Uh, so knowing that, then then your people will feel more protected and more empowered to really understand, like, oh, this is one of those situations where I have to take a deep breath. I have to listen openly. And give them steps to get that feedback back to you so that, you know, we're going to have a pad of paper at the front desk. And if you hear things, even if they're small, write them down. Let me know. If you have a, you know, a CRM system or something like that, you can put those notes in there too. So there are lots of different ways, but part of it is giving people those tools so they feel empowered. Awesome. That's so great. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. This was incredibly helpful just for me. <laughs> um, I'm sure all of my fellow golf professionals feel the same way. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. And, you know, it's just, uh, I can't wait to get better at golf. <laughs>